Howdy. Joining me today is Nicole Shembri from the Twin Picks podcast. She's traveled to about 40 different countries and works in the film industry, so I thought she'd be a great guest to have on here. Hopefully you agree. Enjoy. So I'm only peripherally aware exactly of what you kind of do for a living or your, your, what your day job is. I, I, I'm kind of peripherally aware that you work on sets or in, in, in the film industry in Australia, maybe. But why don't you tell me yeah. real quick what you actually do? What's your gig? I, I work at accounts, which is super boring. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're an accountant for film sets? making sure. Okay. I used to work in the art department. Before I moved to the UK and then when I was living in the UK, one of my colleagues, one of my friends, uh, family members who was living there, he's like, I can get you a job, but it'll be in accounts. I'm like, that's totally fine. I do not care. And since then I've been the last, wait, one, two, four jobs have been accounts and I've got a break, which is nice. But specifically then for production. So a production just has to watch their bottom line and you're the one keeping track of expenses and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, depending. I th- the last two I've been doing, like, yeah, invoicing. I did a bit of payroll in the last Okay, week. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, I'm kind of specialized in petty cash and everyone's like, you're an expert, we'll get you <laughs> to do it. Because every- everyone hates doing it, but I somehow... Don't mind. So handing out, handing out per diems and stuff like just. Yeah. Per diems or, um, just like we don't use physical cash anymore. We put like either Mm. money into their bank account or they've got particular, um, work cards that they use and they just spend that money. And yeah. What about you? What do you do? You, are you just like kind of, (laughs) you're an entrepreneur that like you're writing every so often and. Uh, yeah and, and coaching yeah i don't know because uh because i haven't figured out a way to actually monetize most of my hobbies i just kind of say i'm somewhat of a modern bohemian but even that's way more may, <laughs> way more way more romantic sounding than it actually is it's uh, a pr- pretty boring and, and it's uh not as productive as it should be i actually i just watched this isn't actually a subject change i just watched tick tick boom which is about the guy who wrote rent and just kind of seeing these people mm. that all these guys that break through and kind of have that, you know, they always say it takes 10 years to make an overnight success. And we hear these people when they make it big or they have their big break and you realize they've just been busting their butts behind the scenes. I like to pretend that's me, but I'm not busting my butt. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just kind of constantly dabbling here and there. And so yeah. it'll just be 30 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> Just as you're about to retire, yeah, yeah, yeah. it will, it will go. Um, I do always say though, like I actually, as like a point of uh, not pride, but like uh, I, I say, I don't believe in retiring. I don't think retiring is actually healthier mm. than we were meant to retire. I think if you retire is when you kind of you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, kind of thing, or that drive or that mm. sense of purpose. I just, I don't think that's just not healthy. And so I don't even think in terms of retirement. I, I think even if you do retire from that day job, you should then just okay now. What am I doing instead as opposed to actually like volunteering? Or, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Just, or extensive travel. There you go. There you go. What I'll do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully. And uh, so how did Twin Picks with Dan come around? I, was, I, I gathered you guys worked together in the UK and that's where you guys yeah. met. But um, So me and Dan, yeah, we first time, it was my first job in the UK and he was like the second employee that started after I did. And, you know, within a month or so in, he's like, oh, yeah, I do this podcast. And I kept on hassling him every day. I was like, tell me what your podcast is. He's like, no, no, it's really fresh. I'm like, that doesn't matter. I can just listen to it. And then he, he allowed it. And then I was like, oh, maybe around my birthday, I can come to South End where you live. And like, because, you know, I was new to the UK and I met Albert and I was like, I could be a guest. And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then during the pandemic, he, uh, Albert was not very tech savvy. And Dan kind of put a shout out to anyone that wanted to collaborate, even just like for like random episodes to start off with. And I, I mentioned it to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, let's let's do a few episodes. And like once, you know, once this pandemic kind of eases off and you open up, then um, you guys can go back to normal. And for some reason, he's just kept me on the podcast. I was like, all right, cool. 
And it's great because then I get to catch up with him every fortnight or so. Oh, right. Because now you don't work together anymore because you're back in Australia. So, yeah. Okay. So, hopefully, maybe next year I would love to go back. I've got a few weddings in Europe. So, if I can somehow get back, like, visa-wise in the UK, um, would be great. But I guess I could work anywhere in Europe because I've got a European passport as well. Okay. And actually, let's transition that into just kind of uh, travel in general. So you, you have a European passport. How does, how does one come about that? Did you spend enough time <laughs> growing up that you're actually a dual citizen? or? Um, my Yeah, both of my parents are born in Malta. So I was born, me and my brother were both born here in Australia. And we were eligible to get a European passport. And when I was back in the day when I was living in the UK, you didn't need a visa if you had a European passport. Now Brexit has happened. Mm. You, I've got like pre-settled status. I think that expires in Feb. So I'm going to see if I can extend it. And then if not, I think they've put their visa system for two years up to the age of 35. So then I, I would be eligible to live and work but there's a lot of work in the film industry at the moment so they've been really desperate sometimes to just pull people from parts of all over the world okay to come and work so fingers crossed we'll see yeah so should be able to get back if you're yeah yeah, just uh it always takes takes time to make all those things happen yeah yeah So, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, when we were talking, uh, I'd say via text, via Instagram chat, because we're on the other side of the world and don't have phone numbers. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, 40 countries. So how, when did you first start kind of traveling outside? I guess you kind of always were traveling outside of the, you know, Australia. I guess. Or when did you first leave Australia? Even like when you were little, were you going on trips out of the country and stuff? Yeah. I My first ever holiday was to Malta when I was oh, right. three years old. For like family stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the first... Let me, let me look at the list of travel. <laughs> so the first one, two, three, four, five. My first five holidays were always going to Malta. In 97, we did like a four-month trip that included like a month in the States and then dropping into Malta to see my family briefly. And then we did maybe a month or so around Europe and we did the Greek islands and then back to see my family because one of my cousins was getting married. And then... The next time was in 2001. We did three months in Malta in the summertime because, like, it is so nice June, July, August. It's not too hot? Oh, it's very hot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's stinking hot. It it can be, like, 30 to 40 every day. Not like in Melbourne, our summers, it can get really hot, but then it cools down. So it's, like, three or four days of really hot summer, and then it cools down, which I quite like. I was working in Queensland recently and their winter was like maybe like an autumn or spring time. So that was really nice. But yeah, I've been to Malta, oh, I think like 14, 15 times since, <laughs> since I've been alive. And I love it. I love going there and seeing my family. And yeah, and I've been, it's weird. I've been to Europe more times than I've traveled within Australia, which sounds oh, like huh. bizarre. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's probably like the American. Oh, actually, you guys probably travel more your country than travel outside of. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't know the numbers, but like, I think probably only, well, I'm making this number up, but it's probably not too far off. I would say less than 30% of Americans even have passports. Like traveling out, right. traveling outside the United States is not. It's not uncommon, but it's also not mm. prevalent where like definitely I would say less than half the people I know have ever been outside the country. It's just it's just not super common. And our country's so big that there's plenty to uh, keep you entertained, I guess, just in the United States. My dad, my dad's never left the country. Why should I say that? He did sneak up. Really? He, he snuck up into Canada for like a day a couple years ago <laughs> from North Dakota. But outside of that, he's, he had never he's never been out of the country. So just no interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thought no. Yeah, I mean, just or just never got around to it. I mean, family vacations was always kind of road trips, and so leaving the country just never even was on the radar. And he doesn't like mm-hmm. flying, so okay, that's fair. I'm trying to get him convinced to maybe go to London because he, he likes history too. Not surprisingly, oh, yeah. so oh. I'd like to get him to London, but we'll see, we'll see. And then the worst source then the pandemic kind of put a wrench in any any things we might have been trying to yeah. to plan there. At least you can travel outside of the States. Like, you went to Europe this year. When I saw your trip, I was super jealous. I'm like, I can't even leave my country. Uh, 
Yeah, and it, it sounds like I hit a, a window about right too, because I think, and I haven't looked as much recently in the last few weeks, but I think they've kind of shut everything back down. So I might have just hit that right. that perfect window where I was able able to sneak in. Yeah, I I'm gonna have to admit I've obviously I've heard of Malta, but I was like I don't actually even know where it is. Like, I had to Google it just now to look it up. And <laughs> so when I was like like throwing in there, oh, it must be hot, like because I had just looked it up on the map where it was. But uh, yeah, it's in the middle of the Mediterranean, yeah. just uh, below Italy, a little tiny island. Yeah, roughly. And I didn't realize it was its own country then either, because like because yeah. like Sicily's part of Italy. But Malta's independent. Yeah. So I think, and Sicily is like maybe a three or four hour like ferry ride or boat ride. Yeah. So I've never done that trip before. My brother and my mum and a couple of my cousins, they did a day trip while I was traveling around Europe. So one day when I go back, maybe next year, because I've got a wedding in Malta. So, and also depending on if I'm working or if I just decide to have a four month trip around the world to make up with all this pandemic, <laughs> not, not being able to go anywhere. And like Sardinia, which is in Italy, is uh, I've heard is a really beautiful island to go to. All of my friends that live in Italy, they used, that used to be like their summer holiday kind of trip. So one day. That's my favorite thing. Uh, well, I mean, there's lots of favorite things. But one of my favorite things about traveling is just how something that's so tiny on the map ends up being this whole big region that, that can be special and unique in its own way. And, and a lot of times it's those ones you've not even heard of. And like, I, had a, I, if you, I don't know how far back you went on this podcast, but I, you know, my friend Jason, who went to the Amalfi coast, and it's like, oh, yeah. it's just this tiny little notch right there in Italy, but no, it's a whole region. You can spend a, you know, a month there and not see the same thing twice. And just, I don't know. I just kind of love that. That of course it's also frustrating because you know you're not going to get to see everything and it's just so frustrating that that we just have a finite time to explore you know it is a small world but it's not you know you're on the other side of the planet right now but it's uh Mm -hmm. it's also infinite in its own way too and uh so as an as an adult then have you continued to kind of obviously do a lot of these kind of trips or have you have you done anything outside of europe is it more just kind of always going back and forth so from 2010 onwards They've been pretty much my own holidays that I've been on. I mean, 2012 was my massive Europe trip. So I did 17 Europe and the US. So I did 17 countries within three months. And then at the end of that trip, I went to New York around the time that was like the anniversary of September 11. Mm. And then I went to San Francisco and then came home. So that was like double jet lag. Oh, right, right. (laughs) On the way home, it's like... European jet lag to to New York and I was just like oh trying to get over that time zone and then San Francisco a little bit but I was only there for a few days and then coming back to Australia was um pretty crazy and then after that I went I've been to Indonesia maybe four times oh okay uh, twice in in 2013 for volunteering and I I made a friend in this village in Lombok and she she lives in East Java so I caught up with her on the second trip in her um, on the island that she lives in. And the following year, she was getting married. And she goes, hey, I would love you to be my bridal party. I was like, okay, cool. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I should send you a photo, Rich. I look like a Javanese <laughs> woman. <laughs> you would not recognize me. Oh, that's You're like, awesome. Who is that person? It was really, yeah, it was really cool. And actually, in 2014, I went overseas three times. So I went to Indonesia for, I think, three or four days for just for that wedding. And then I did 10 weeks uh, with me and my best friend. We went South America into Central America, finishing off in Mexico. And then two weeks later, after I got back from South America, a couple of my mates were going to Japan. And my partner at the time, he had a friend that lived there. I was like, are we ever going to go? And he's like, no. Go with them, it's totally fine. I was like, sweet. <laughs> so I went to Japan for I think 10 days. Oh, wow! Yeah, okay, yeah, that was a trip I was hoping to take in 2020. That uh, oh, yeah, that fell through. Oh, yeah, that's right. In Japan, yeah, yeah. how long were you going for? It was about 10 days. I had it, I had it all kind of booked out, and I, I even had the Airbnbs booked and had to go through and cancel everything once oh. uh, it all got shut down. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I still don't know if they're open back up. Okay, so man, you've been. Have you been on every continent except, uh, or I guess have you been to Africa? Have you been to Africa? I haven't been to Africa. Okay, okay. My 20, 2020 
because I was turning 30 and my goal was to go to Africa, like to go to every continent before I was 30. Oh, right. And then I was like, well, Antarctica is not going to happen this time, <sighs> but hopefully we'd love to go. It's really expensive. It's like yeah. 13, 15K for just like a 10 day trip. Right. Because you basically have to go almost like with the expedition or something, right? Like you can't just like casually, yeah. it's, it's not really set up for tourists is my understanding. You can have to be with a group. Or or doing research. Oh, or, right, right. I know they do a marathon. Oh, really? Yeah, they do. Um, I was telling someone, not that I, I... I've done a couple of half marathons before, but I feel like even that, uh, doing that type of run on Antarctica, it would be quite expensive anyway. Right, because of true. Insurance and yeah, yeah. In registry. But that would be kind of cool one day. Maybe if there's like a documentary that like, hey, we need a accountant. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll be like, yes, please. I would love to do that. If the penguins, if the penguins march again, you're going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to, in 2020, I thought, well, I'm in Europe. Africa's not too far. So I would have gone to like at least maybe Morocco just to say that I've been to at least one of the countries. But I would love to do like a good month I probably do it within a tour the first time. I know there is like Facebook groups at, for solo women that are traveling within Africa and you can kind of communicate with each other. And Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, just keep up that network on, uh, keep tabs on everybody. Yeah. Like kind of ideas and, oh, okay. go and what's, what's safe, what's not safe. Uh, what's surprising that you have, cause uh, you know, like again, looking at the map here, Malta is insanely close to Tunisia. Is it more of just, a yeah. sa- is it a safety thing or you just, just never made it over that direction? I don't know. I don't know why I've never been there. I think uh, I did my um, DNA like oh, to see. Yeah. The 23 and me kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think like there was like Tunisian in my, like my ancestry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many like decades or centuries ago. Yeah, I've never been. I don't know if there's my cousin who lives in Malta. He tends to travel to like Tunisia and Senegal quite often. But yeah, I have. I've never been before. And uh, I'm trying to think. I, I hear a lot of people going to Morocco, and I, I I feel like I've heard Tunisia is a fairly safe and okay place to visit. But I think Morocco yeah. Morocco is just way more popular. I think, and maybe more set up set up more for tourists. I was also quite close to Egypt because in when was it 2015? Me and my partner at a time we did Turkey, and then we went to Israel. Went and then we went down to the tip of Israel. I forgot what the the town is called but we did a day trip into jordan to go to petra oh yes and yeah so you're like literally you can you're in uh, israel and then like on one side there's egypt and then on the other side is jordan yes yeah i think logan and yeah. i talked about that when we were probably talking about lawrence of arabia and i'm kind of zoomed in on the map there where yeah you have israel egypt jordan and saudi arabia can all meet right there within uh yeah you basically could have thrown a rock into egypt but weren't quite there yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, P- Petra is definitely something I, I've always kind of been, not obsessed with, but just it's just one of those things that just kind of stands out in my mind, probably from Indiana Jones, The Last Indiana Crusade, Jones, yeah. where I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think in the context of that movie, it's not Petra. It might just be some made-up thing, or maybe it is actually Petra. I was thinking it was more just kind of a stand-in for whatever mystery they were doing. But yeah, I just thought that was so, so cool. If you do go, and you go from Israel, for example... I recommend doing like a two-day tour that you stay overnight within a city close by to Petra. Okay. Because Petra is massive. Oh, really? And there's like other, there's other parts of Petra. You know, I think we only had like two or three hours. So you see that main... Facade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's even some more gorgeous oh, really? areas within it. So yeah, definitely do like a two-day tour or okay. a two-day pass that gives you enough time to check it out. Yes, I'll add it add it to the list for sure. Uh, one thing I was curious about when you when you kind of went from Europe to the United States and back to Australia, I'm just just kind of curious on your flight path to see did you end up kind of like circumnavigating the world or did you kind of fly? east and then back west or did you actually Uh, keep flying west until you get all the way back around to australia (laughs) so do you mean the whole trip yeah like the whole trip i'm just trying to see if you basically if you if you kind of unintentionally circumnavigated the world if you just kind of kept flying west to get to europe in the first place uh or did you fly i'm trying to think how you travel because usually from australia you do australia to either singapore and then dubai yeah yeah so yeah so yeah so you're flying west and then from dubai to europe yeah yeah. And then you went from Europe to New York to San Francisco and then probably went across 
the Pacific. So yeah, you basically took a trip around the entire world. <laughs> world trip. That's awesome. I had always kind of planned that as, or not planned that, but like thought that would be like like the ultimate someday trip would be plan as you go from place to place, but intentionally plan it to where you go always just one direction and work your way around the world. Like if I was going to go from, I'm in the middle of the United States. So if I, you know, to yeah. New York, to Europe, to the Middle East, to Asia, to, you know, Hawaii, to back to the West Coast of the United States and just kind of plan something that way. And it looks like you did it without even necessarily making it the plan. How- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I before, before the whole pandemic and everything, my intention was when I decided to move back to Australia, I I don't know if I was going to do this all in one trip or I may have done Africa and then came back to do some work, but at least from the UK, go through Europe, end up in Russia, and then do the Trans-Siberian down into Asia, and then travel around Asia and then come back into Australia. But I don't know, I don't know if that's completely going around the world. Maybe not so much. Yeah, more of a more of a loop there. Is that is, is, is that a railroad in Russia then? The, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I want, there's certain countries that I'm always a little nervous about. I guess it's all the ones you have to have a visa to go to. And I don't know. I guess every country is different with every other country. I know the U.S. We have to have a visa to go to to Russia. I'm guessing Australia is similar. Or yeah, it's the same. I think you need to, or at least you need a visa. But then also you need to like proof of where you're staying oh okay okay yeah right right they don't they don't want people just kind of coming through for for no good reason i guess and uh okay so you have been in the united states but you basically just went you spent a few days in new york city flew across the country to san francisco a few days there kind of thing and then in 97 with my family so i was i was six years old at the time (laughs) we did la and i think we may have gone into mexico for one day Okay. Um, and then we went to Las Vegas. So weird for a six-year-old to be in Las Vegas. <laughs> it is. It is the city of lights. It stands out. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to go back, and I know there's like a neon light exhibition or a museum. That's weirdly the only thing that I really want to go to. Or maybe is there? Um, what's that music festival? That festival that they do, it's like in Vegas. I don't know if it's in Vegas or it's just in Nevada. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not big in the music scene. I, I'm, I'm trying to think if like, is Burning Man in Nevada? Like, I don't even know where some of these things are. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Of. Okay. Or maybe it's not, maybe it's not in Nevada, but that would be kind of a cool thing to do. Maybe yeah. one day. Maybe I'm getting too old for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's Burning Man and the other one, big one is Coachella. But again, I don't know where those actually are. I just kind of see them online, yeah. but I don't even know where they're happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've basically only been to cities in the United States. So you kind of just have that that perspective of our of our major cities well i went to florida oh okay where else did we go and then we went i think then we must have gone back to la to fly uh, home la because okay. we were in hollywood no and then from la we went into i guess we i think we flew into malta first and then from malta we went to the uk and then did a bus tour i guess around western europe i was very young okay and we did that trip but yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you've been you've been all over, and uh, well, yeah, we do have. Uh, I guess the one thing, like I said, you're missing the United States is all our the natural stuff. You know, the Grand Canyon, the Rocky Mountains, and yeah. yeah. What would you recommend being being from the states? Um, the the Grand Canyon does live up to its reputation. I haven't actually been in about twenty years. I need I need to go go back, but it's uh, so I, I've only been twice, and I remember going when I was little. You know, or you know, like middle school age for which is you know like uh, yeah. twelve, thirteen, or whatever. And uh, went back in college, and I remember thinking on the way there, like, yeah, I'm pre- it's really big. Like, I'm pretty. You know, I was like trying to, I was trying to like spout the numbers off of what I remembered, and I was like way off. I, I it's, I was thinking like, oh yeah, I think it's like a mile across and like a quarter mile deep. No, 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 it's a mile deep, and then like however wow. far across, it's you just have to be there. It's it really is like insane for a canyon like it just it's just it's just endless it's it is something else and it's probably something that maybe other places don't have everyone has mountains and forests and you know other things like that or if you've popped over to new zealand we have you know the geothermal features that are kind of like okay. new zealand has them iceland has some and then also we have some united states yeah. in wyoming iceland yeah I, I did oh what is it called the one in iceland yeah i did that i think it was my last or second last day when we were there I would love to go back. It's very expensive, mm. but it's 
totally worth checking out. That was that was on the list too before when I was trying to figure out what was going to be possible to do this summer because I was kind of the same boat you were in where I was like I just have to use my passport. I need to get out of the United States for uh, a little bit and wherever I can go, I'll go. And so before the other stuff opened up, yeah, I was looking at maybe Iceland. Uh, let's shift gears here. You, so you just say you ran a couple half marathons. I was just kind of curious again, just because that's what we talk about on this podcast is uh, <laughs> any other general, like if, if you have any kind of athletic background or sports growing up, we can talk about that. Or if you, or if you know, you did have marathons and how those kind of went or how your training went or anything you wanted to kind of talk about <laughs> athletically. Or- it's funny with the, the first ever half marathon I did, one of my colleagues at work, she was doing it for someone who'd passed away. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And she goes, do you know how long a half marathon is? I was like, yeah, it's like from here to, to Deer Park or whatever. <laughs> so, like, I could totally do that. And I did not, Rich, I did not train. Oh, no. Before that half marathon. I think I trained up to 3K. <laughs> <laughs> and then on, I remember waking up that morning. I was like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? And I thought I was going to be the only one that's going to be like, stop, start, stop, start. Oh, okay. But people pulled out and I was like, yeah. okay, cool. So I finished it, but I was very sore the next day. Like I couldn't walk. And then I trained the next time properly and I, I bet my PB. Also did that for a charity event. I I should maybe give it another go. Maybe I'll start off with a 10K at least and then move up from there. I do boxing. Oh, okay. I, well, I as personal training at least once or twice a week. And that's like kind of my favorite type of fitness as well as swing dancing, which is only just opened up as of next week here, which I'm super excited about. When I was in the UK, I wanted to do something a little bit different. And one of my colleagues at work is like, oh yeah, I went to this class. And every Sunday I used to do that one class or and then eventually do the intermediate class straight after and made friends with someone there that we would go do two classes on a Sunday and then we'd go to a social. So you just social dance with random people. And I came, I came back home and uh, there was a festival called the St Kilda Festival and they, there was Swing Patrol at that festival and my sister-in-law was with me and there was, some, there was a random guy in the middle. I was like, oh, I'll dance with him. So I gave her my stuff and started dancing. I was like, yeah, you should come to a class. And she's like... I'm never coming to a class because you're like too good. I'm like, no, no, I'm really basic (laughs) at doing swing dancing. So that's something that I've really missed that I'm excited that is just starting back again. As well as I've I've bought a kayak, so I'm planning to do a bit of kayaking during the summertime. My next new, next uh, job is kind of close to the seaside. So either before or after work would be nice to do a bit of kayaking just in the in the ocean there or do you have rivers and lakes nearby yeah um the ocean is will be like a five minute drive from my workplace and from where i am currently it's maybe about 30 minutes or so yeah there's lakes kind of around i've i've just recently downloaded an app called paddling i think it's called paddling go which is an international app and it tells you whatever lakes or oh, okay. seaside is is kind of cool to check out. So I might try that on the weekend and catching up with some friends on Sunday. And I'll be like, all right, what's a close lake that I can give it give it a go? Uh, is you, do you have a hard shell plastic one or one of the inflatable ones? I've seen both. <laughs> well, no, I think that's almost smarter because it's just so much more portable and you can use it so much yeah. easier, I would think, if you can just uh, transport it that way. I definitely... It never occurred to me until the pandemic started and I guess bicycle sales and kayak sales like shot through the roof because everyone was going crazy at home. And so uh, I haven't haven't looked for a while, but my understanding was like for like a year, you couldn't even buy a kayak in the United States because they were just sold out everywhere. And it never even occurred to me. We have a lake. It's I mean, it's small, but there's a lake just 15 minutes north of me. And it never even occurred to me that I could just take a kayak up and hop in and roll around or whatever you paddle around. And I need to do that. I, I would want to get an inflatable one just so I won't have to worry about like the rack on the top of the car or whatever. And Yeah. And it's easy for me to put in the car as well. I mean, I've got a full drive, but yeah, I didn't really want to have a rack. And then I love camping. So I thought if I go into state, I can just at least deflate it, put it in the back of my car 
Yeah. And just inflate it on site. Yeah. And not to get too technical, but do they do they have like a self-inflating thing or do you have to have a separate just like pump or what is it? Yeah, it's just... <laughs> is it just a hand pump? <laughs> it was a bit of a workout just pumping it. Oh, okay. It. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Once I figured out how to actually pump it up correctly, <laughs> it was within five minutes, it was ready to go. So it's pretty... Okay. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I need to. I need to get one of those. And also, the paddles come. You can pull. Oh, them. twist them up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I need to do that. I, I, I did kayak a little bit. Where were we? Oh, it was my brother's wedding uh, in Missouri. I stayed over here, and it was at a lake, and they had some kayaks nearby. And I, I was like trying to YouTube the best way to do it because I feel like I wasn't doing it like the efficient way. Like <laughs> you get you get so tired so quick and feel like you're not going yeah. anywhere, but I also feel like. There's a technique to it that I haven't mastered yeah, yet. Yeah, there is. A, there's like, <laughs> they say to, I think you're only supposed to kind of move one one arm, like kind of in one kind of direction. So it kind okay. of gives you the memento of how to move yeah. from one to the other. I did a little bit of kayaking when I was, um, when I saw you last in the Gold Coast. There was a tour maybe like 15 minutes from where I was staying and there was a couple of little islands. And then I did a road trip from Noosa up to Cairns so I think it's like about if you did it in one go I think it's like a 19 hour drive within Queensland and a few of the trip stops on the way I think my last stop when I was in Cairns for five days I got a ferry out to Fitzroy Island and I didn't have a lot of time I think I had just enough time to go to the um, total sanctuary and I think I had two hours I was like oh just hire a kayak and just chill on the beach and and then go for a quick swim in my stinger suit because jellyfish season Ooh. is like kind of happening. And they're like, and <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not even used to having a, a stinger suit. I've, it's kind of a popular thing further north. So yeah, so I just put that on, just chilled out, and I was like, oh yeah, I really need to get a kayak because I really enjoy being on the water. Uh, jellyfish season is a phrase I don't think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. We've got some really poisonous jellyfish here in Australia, like Blue Bottle. Oh, I forgot what the ones were in Queensland, but if they sting you, like, you can die within, like, like, you don't, you can, apparently you don't even see them. They're, like, oh super tiny. Not to scare anyone from Australia, because I know there's... That's like, all I've ever heard about Australia, is that everything <laughs> is poisonous. The spiders, the frogs, the... Kangaroos or snakes. Yeah, I I live in like I live kind of on a farm area, and I've seen a snake every so often. (laughs) And I've I remember my my housemates in the UK. They're like, yeah, there's too many spiders, and I'm like, no, there isn't. You don't like you hardly see them. It's totally fine. And we've got a pretty good like anti venom. Like there's hospitals everywhere that there's a lot of stock of all that type of stuff. If if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Humans in general are pretty good about adapting to our environments in those kinds of ways. And so yeah. I always, you know, you hear, so obviously in the northern United States, the winters are way harsher, but you hear from everybody who lives up there that they're better suited than, let's say, we are. I'm kind of, you know, I'm in the middle of the country, and if a bad winter hits, it's like, oh, it really kind of knocks us on our butt. But up north, it's like, well, we know we're going to get knocked on our butt, so we're just ready for it. And it's almost yeah. less the winter is less disruptive you're acclimatized to it yeah so it makes sense then well australia if everything's poisonous well we're, yeah, we're just ready for poison <laughs> 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 makes sense makes sense it's totally fine and uh not that it really matters but i do have i do, I do have one tangential australian connection and it, okay. it goes back it goes back so i don't know how familiar with you are with like uh Oh, the Allied presence in Australia during World War II. And so my grandma's brother was actually stationed in Australia as like part of the Pacific Theater or whatever. And it's like, that's where that's where he met his wife. So he married an Australian girl and brought her back to Montana in the United States. And (laughs) uh, so growing up, I mean, they were again, they were like a 16 hour drive away. But, you know, every few years I would we drive up and I get to see my Australian great aunt up in Montana. (laughs) Yeah, great. We're a bounce in Australia. You know like what? I, Darwin? I, uh, you know what? That's a good question. I'll see if I can actually. I could probably pull that up on ancestry.com. Uh, so yeah, I, so my I have cousins who have Australian cousins. If that makes sense, because it's on the right. other side of the family or whatever. That makes complete sense. I'm trying to think World War Two because I know like there was some bombings, I believe, in Darwin, and I wonder if there was like a massive 
army base up that way. Or yeah. Maybe, who knows? It might be in New South Wales and Sydney. There's army bases all over the country. I think it was just kind of a just kind of a a you know a station. I mean, obviously, I don't think it was more about they probably weren't doing much in Australia other than this. It was a place of to set up base to then head out into the Pacific. And I, I don't know the right. the details there. Okay, according to my notes here, she was born in yeah in Queensland in uh, Rath Downey. Okay. I forget where I read it too. So apparently it was it was super common because you had all these Americans and Brits down in Australia, and so like, there's even stories of like the ship, you know, after the war's over, the ship hits San Francisco Bay Harbor or port or whatever, and it's just full of all these Australian women that have married all these Americans. Like it's just, <laughs> it's uh it was it was a big thing at the time because it was just kind of people everywhere. So you should come to Australia at some point, Rich. No, it's yeah, it's definitely on the list in New Zealand as well, and. uh yeah, yeah. It is it is definitely on the list. Get over the the flight business about you not, not being able to fly like sleep on the airplane. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh you're right. I guess I'd either have to or I would just die. <laughs> Cuz at some point like a 15-hour flight, you're going to have to sleep. Do you have um like portable headphones? If you have those ones that kind of like sound cancellation cuz I know I think you were saying that Oh, the, I'm hyper the aware of, your, of the sound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe at some point, obviously, I have to. Yeah, at some point, survival kicks in and you have to sleep, I guess. But I just, uh, it's just all about turning my brain off or the lack. I can't turn my brain off. So I would just be so excited about taking a trip that far that I would just not be able to Mm. turn my brain off. But at some point, fatigue would overtake me. I just haven't had a long enough flight where that's. uh, Of course, I've even thought about too, if I wanted to go to Australia, I'd almost feel like I would want to break it up. Okay, well, I'll stop in Hawaii first. Then I'll maybe stair step it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Or maybe go, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't know what your flight pa- pattern is out of Wichita to get out of, to get to... We would go LA to LA, Hawaii, kind of to that direction at least. Ah, right. Yeah, I think that's the quickest way to, to Australia. I think it is about, of course, it's hard to always gauge the flight itself because it's you're, you're looking up flights, it always gives you the layovers because I can't get a you know, continuous flight. It would, it would be to probably LA... And even then, I'd have to connect somewhere else. It would take me two planes just to get to LA, and then I'd have to switch planes. And so, yeah, it's it's probably twelve hours from LA. I guess you might know that better than I. But yeah, something like that, twelve to fourteen hours, oh, which is nothing, nothing <laughs> for me. I've done thirty-six hour flight before. Oh, oh my god, that was an... <laughs> like the flight, it, like the flight, it, like the trip, or the flight itself was in the air for thirty-six hours. I mean, yeah, well. It was going to South America, and what happened was we booked we we were in the lottery for the Rio World Cup, mm. and we got tickets, but we didn't realize that our football game was in Brasilia. So I think when we booked the flights, it was originally straight to Rio, um, and then we had to get to Brasilia. So it was Melbourne to Sydney, and then having to stay out overnight, which doesn't include that thirty-six hour layover. Okay, okay. And then it was. Sydney to Auckland, Auckland to Santiago, Santiago to Rio, and then we, we had a few hours layover there, and then Rio to Bellum, and then Bellum to Re- Brasilia, and we, we rocked up at like, I think it was like six o'clock in the morning, finally got to our accommodation, and you just feel so yeah. sticky and gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, first thing we're going to do is like check in. Dump our stuffs, have a shower, and then head to the stadium to check out the World Cup. <laughs> okay, so the trip itself, yeah. basically from Sydney to Brasilia, was like that was thirty six hours. 30, okay, that was thirty six. Okay, hours. well, again, so I, I mean, I've done that. Like I said, it, it was it was about twenty four hours when I went from you know from Wichita, the airport I left from, to Lyon, France. That was about twenty four hours. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Between wow. because of the layovers and stuff, it's so yeah. But yeah, I didn't didn't sleep. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the, the shower thing is interesting too. I haven't got I haven't got to this point in the trip when I'm going over it with Logan. But when I was went from I went from Paris to Copenhagen and I had a lay, layover overnight in Warsaw. So again, couldn't okay. couldn't sleep, just laying in the airport trying to sleep and can't sleep. But uh, uh, there was a shower there, like a, just a public shower in the airport, and I was so excited. Like I I just assumed I was just gonna be gross for a day, like you were saying. And then when I yeah. saw a shower, I'm like looking around, like it was like, yes. is someone gonna catch me? Is like, anyone gonna get in trouble? <laughs> I am using this shower, so that that kind of made my night. I almost didn't care that I didn't get to sleep because I got a shower. Also, with your Europe trip, did you get like a a Euro train pass, or you just booked your train tickets 
as you went. I just, yeah, I just went. I just went as I went. I didn't. My understanding is the pass is kind of more. It's almost, it almost probably isn't worth it if you're doing it the way I did it, where I was kind of taking shorter train rides. And maybe a little bit every day here and there. Yeah. And the Eurail Pass sounds like it's almost better if you're doing like a long trip and only have certain travel days. And I know there's different packages and stuff, yeah. but it, I, it just- I I think that's what I got. I think I got it was like ten stops within two months. Yeah, when yeah. When I did my massive Europe trip. And for that, it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. There was occasions that it didn't work out, or like I still had to pay for my ticket. And yeah, I guess it would be worthwhile if you're going, like I went from, originally it was from the UK into Western Europe and then going into Eastern Europe. And then I flew back to Malta and then started again in Spain and then Spain back into Italy. And that's when I flew out to the US. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a great trip. (laughs) My, my, um, I remember being at the airport in Malta and my mum was with me. And I said bye to her and my cousin. And he was like, you're going to just let her go? And he, she goes, well, I can't just stop her. <laughs> but I kept in contact and I told him how, they, how I was. And I think I told them the horrible story. I told my mum like one horrible story when I got back. And she still kind of like is paranoid when I travel. <laughs> so I was like, oh. No, it's... It's tough. And I think that's that's the mom's job is to get paranoid about all the possibilities. And you know, I try to point yeah. out, it's like, well, you you driving, you know, 30 minutes into town is probably more dangerous than what I'm doing right now. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, because she was upset because there was flooding in, in Germany and stuff when I was in Europe. And I wasn't oh, in Germany, right. but just the fact there was flooding and, you know, like 100 people did die last summer in flooding. And wow. she was just very concerned, like, oh, you, you, you people are dying all over Europe. You got to get out of there. I'm like, no, a few people in this area. Yes, it's unfortunate, but I'm safe. I'm safer than you yeah. are right now. So uh, let's uh, shift gears yet again here and, and talk about uh, movies, which, again, since we both do movie podcasts, we could talk yeah. for uh, days and days about movies. And uh, I was going to say, I didn't mention when Logan and I were on with you and Dan, but I would say... We're movie guys who like history as opposed to the reverse. I would say movies is kind of where we're coming from. And then we also really are into history versus being like actual historians who kind of like movies. So to narrow it down, I was just going to maybe try to talk about some of just your favorite movies of all time. Favorite movies of all time. I guess, oh, uh, what is that movie called? (laughs) Well, it's not your favorite if you can't remember. (laughs) It is, it's one of my, well, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember watching it. Oh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, I remember watching okay. that film and I just got really nostalgic. And I mean, he was one that had never been anywhere in the world. And then all of a sudden he just gets on a plane and ends up in Greenland and Iceland. And I think at that point of time, I hadn't been to Iceland. I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'd love to go. So I remember really enjoying that film. I've never actually even I've never even seen it. Oh, it's really good. I would recommend it. I guess is that the one with Ben Stiller, or am I thinking of a different one? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, that's okay. One. I think there I think that might be a remake. Well, I think it's based on it's, it's based on a book or a short story. I was thinking. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I always keep on whenever I hear your podcast, I always think of John Carney and, and like once. Oh yeah. Street. I, <laughs> and I know like once is like your, one of your favorite films. And yeah. I watched begin again, which is, it's probably not my favorite okay. out of his series, but I don't think you've seen it yet. No, I still haven't seen that one, but uh, yeah. Sing, Sing street. Uh, and once I just am floored by, and yeah. they're also kind of in that category though of, secret movies like so like it's almost kind of almost makes it better that most people don't even know what you're talking about so Mm. i usually say my favorite movies are pulp fiction and the shawshank redemption but everybody's heard of pulp fiction and the shawshank redemption so it's almost more fun to pull out like a sing street that's just a couple years old and no one's heard of and it's so good sing street is so great yeah Yeah, yeah. we reviewed on the podcast a few months ago yeah yeah for our i think our romance was it Romance Picks? Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's I think right. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you mentioned just kind of having this having the soundtrack even on in the background and just uh Yeah. Yeah. It's- yeah, Sing Street's great. Once I have not I don't know, I'd, 
I put it on and the singing at the start, I, I just instantly, oh, yeah. I'm like, I know, I know I need to push through this film because I know it's a classic and I've, a fair few of my friends have mentioned it before. No, and I, and I guess, so I kind of get that. I, my mom will still give me crap because, you know, oh, you don't like musicals. It's like, well, no, I didn't really like My Fair Lady when I was in high school, but that's different than just, <laughs> just unilaterally saying I don't like musicals. And I just, I just tend to like, I don't know, I I don't have a rhyme or reason to it, but I guess with with Once and Sing Street, it's always way more palatable for me when it's oh, I always, I always get confused. Logan uses the term diegetic and non-diegetic, and I always forget which is which. Mm. But Once, there's actually not any random songs; they're just musicians, and we're just going to stop and hear these musicians play the song for a little bit. And yeah. so it, it doesn't seem yeah. out of place. It seems it seems character driven as opposed to characters randomly bursting into a song for no reason. It's like no, this is just a musician, so he's going to sing because. <laughs> He's in a guitar shop. <laughs> yeah. I was cuz I wrote down a fair few Australian films and TV shows. Oh yeah. That yeah. I really particularly like. Um movies wise, depending when this episode comes out, we did our 100th episode about a couple of weeks ago. Okay. I just listened to the picks one for that, but then obviously yeah. the the actual episode hasn't come out yet. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. So there was a movie on there that was called The Mule, which is an Australian film, which it was against Big Trouble in Little China when we did the poll. It was expected that a lot of people voted for <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China because it's kind of like a cult classic. Yeah. But that's kind of like one of my... like. Not many, even Australians, not many Australians would know this film. And I think I had only came across it is because when I started in the film industry, the art department team that I had worked with, that was their last project. And when it came out, I think, I don't know if I watched it in the cinema or maybe when it came to home release. And it was just kind of comical. And I forgot that one of the actor's names, he's a comedian as well. He's really great. And he has done a, another movie called A Hundred Bloody Acres, which is kind of like a horror film, but it's it's kind of comical. So it might be something that you may enjoy. Is The Mule the Clint Eastwood one from a few years ago? No. Oh. No, this is an Australian... This is a completely That's why I was confused. Film. Okay, okay. Is it, okay, so it's the, tw- it's the 2011 one with Hugo Weaving? That's the one. Okay. Oh, there's a lot of movies yeah. called The Mule. There's one from 2013, 2012. <laughs> Angus Sampson, that was the comedian that's in that film. Okay, okay. And he's done a film called A Hundred Bloody Acres, which I think, I remember when it was coming out, I think it got pirated and then it got really renowned for that reason. Uh, It got pirated everywhere. Yeah. Uh, He was one of my, what's the term? Not professors. Like a mentor? Film school. Yeah, he was one of my mentors and... I think he helped out on one of the days of my short film. Oh, God. What a terrible <laughs> Well, whenever you do your own work, it's like you look back on it. You, like, oh <laughs> you cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the way I always look at it, though, too, is that, that, that it's actually a win-win. When you do you know, writing or you do some kind of work and then you look back at it years later, it's either, oh, that sucks. I'm way better now. So that's good. Yeah, or you're like, true. oh, hey, that's pretty good. And I did that. So that's good. So it's always a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> what other films? The Dry. I don't know if that's come. Has that come out in the US? What is it? With Eric Banner. The Dry. Okay. I I feel like I searched this recently because it is a 2020, uh, yeah, 2021 movie. And uh got good reviews here. So I think I might have ran across it and then just kind of forgot about it. So I bet it's not out yet. Oh, it says May in Australia, huh? But also, the US probably don't get as many of our Australian films. I don't know. I feel like the Brits might get more of our content than you guys. You've got so much content happening in your country that you're like, we don't really care. (laughs) But uh, Eric Banner Banner crosses over enough. I mean, he's done. I mean, he's he's well known over here, so... Um, it looks yeah. like, no, it looks like, it looks like I can rent it online somewhere, Google or iTunes or probably Amazon. Yeah. Uh, oh. so it's, uh, it's around and I do have the VPN thing too. I, I definitely never, ever, uh, I haven't yet messed with that. Like I bought the VPN where I, if I needed to, I could just tell Netflix that I'm in Australia and that would, if that would maybe get shows that I couldn't yeah. otherwise access. What about just like TV shows? Like what are like the classic Australian TV shows? Like the British stuff is on the radar for the United States, but. I, I couldn't even name a Australian TV show. Not even like Neighbours or Home and Away? Maybe that's only a British thing. No. 
You know, Home and Away sounds really familiar, actually. So they're the kind of two main soap operas. Oh, they're really not soap operas. You'd be like a comedy or an action. <laughs> no, I know. And, but it'd be like dramatized, like back in the 80s, like everyone okay. loved it. It's funny because I worked on Neighbours for a couple of years and then I moved to the UK and they're like, oh my God, you worked on Neighbours. And <laughs> I was like, and we like hardly any Australians watch this show now. Oh, that's but funny. The Brits love it. But uh, anthology... Uh, mini series that I just recently worked on that's come out on ABC iView was called Fires and it's an as I said it's an anthology series kind of based on the bushfires that happened in mm, Australia between yeah, 2019 yeah. and 2020 and like massive cast like Eliza Scanlon, Hunter Page, Lockhart you probably might not know of but Sam Worthington was in it, okay. Anna yeah, Chov, yeah. who else? Sullivan Stapleton, Miranda Otto, Richard Roxburgh, Daniel Hershon. Like, I think I remember my um, my boss was doing, she was in charge of cast payroll. And I'm pretty sure we had like over 200 casts within those seasons. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I only recently finished it like maybe a day or two ago. And I was just... It can get heavy at times, but yeah, a really good series that I've enjoyed. And Tony Ayers, who is the producer, he did another um, limited series called Stateless, which is something that I would recommend. Um, I think it's also six episodes. And I think Kate, yeah, Kate Blanchett, she's in that series as well. What else? If you want to know something about like Australian crime history, there's a series called Underbelly. The first, like, three or four seasons of that I think are quite good. I don't know, not so much the last few seasons. Like, the first main season is about, like, the underground kind of drug laws that were happening in Melbourne. And I think I remember when that came out, there was also the court case at the same time. So you couldn't even watch it in Melbourne. Every other state you could watch this series. Oh, because you, like, you couldn't the, even get yeah, a TV. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. the juries might be corrupted get, by it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you know, the court case is going on, so no one is allowed to watch it, so that it doesn't change their thoughts on what's happening. Okay, and that's that looks like that's available just for, I can just stream that for free, it looks like, here in the States, so that's... Uh, oh, yeah, cool. That made me think of, too, I, I did watch, oh, and shoot, it's probably 10 years old now, but Animal Kingdom was uh was, yeah, was, was, was really, really good. Film. Yeah, yeah. And there's a TV series. Oh, really? I don't know if okay. it's Australian or American, but there is an Animal Kingdom tv series okay if you want to know something about like australian first settlement i think i mentioned this briefly to you last time when your history and oh yeah, episode yeah, yeah comes out secret river so there's a two-part seri- series about you know the brits coming to australia and then also like indigenous culture and what they had done to like those two sides of them coming over and taking over the land and all that that's kind of interesting and i i think i worked on that series for maybe a couple of weeks before I went to South America, they needed someone to help out in the art department for a couple of weeks. So you, uh, you're kind of basically stuck in accounts. It sounds like, but you'd rather be doing art stuff on productions, but that those gigs are just Um, harder to get, or you're kind of just okay with whatever. I'm not too fast. I would love to get into editing at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. I enjoy editing the podcast and then I, it's been a while since I've done some stop motion stuff, but I, I've got a bit of a break now, so I might start getting back into it. And um, even doing like stop motion stuff on Procreate, which I've, I haven't downloaded yet on my tablet, but I've been watching some stuff on Skillshare. I, I got, uh, so yeah, I have the iPad with the, with the Apple Pencil and I got Procreate because it was one of the most recommended apps. And it just makes me so mad that I'm not an artist. I'm like, this software... <laughs> This software is so cool, and I just am not equipped to take advantage of it. Like, I just can't. I just don't have those skills, and I just get so frustrated because I'm like, this is, I don't know, it'd be like having, like, the best guitar, and you're like, yeah, I don't know how to play guitar. Yeah. Anyway, yes, thanks so much for being on the show, and everyone go check out Nicole on the Twin Picks podcast, and thanks for listening, and catch you later.